want to start off? I should probably speak into a microphone because it's also being recorded. Wow, I should have broken myself in on the microphone. <laughs> That's a lot. Wow. So, uh, when I was 10 years old, I went to Kings Island with my family. And, you know, we did like the family rides, a little attraction stuff. And then uh, my father and I, his name is Jeff. Uh, Jeff and I got in line for the Vortex at Kings Island. If you don't know about the Vortex, it deemed the name the Vortex because you go upside down eight times. Whether it's a corkscrew, a loop, you get to go upside down eight times. And while you're waiting in line, you get to see every impeding, I'm going to be upside down, not once, but probably eight times because it's a long line. So I'm standing there with my dad. And he is glowing with excitement. Can't wait to go on this ride. I'm 10 years old standing right next to him. And I am shaking and nearly crying because I'm terrified. Stop it, computer. Don't do this to me. <laughs> and next to us in line uh, is an older gentleman who sees that I am terrified. So he gets down on my eye level. And he sees me kind of kind of sniffling. I'm trying to be cool about it. And he gets on my eye level and looks me in the eye and says, you got this, man. You're tough. You can handle this. And I take a deep breath and I clench my fists and I tell him, no, I can't. I'm scared. <laughs> I, and I meant it. But, um, you know, I really think it's safe to say that we've all been in situations where we're clenching our fists and saying, I can't do this. I'm scared. Um, but it's the lessons that we learn that kind of get us through those trying times, should we actually heed those lessons, which I was not the best at. Um, but my parents taught me a lot of lessons growing up, still are to this day. I don't think it's ever going to stop. There's endless lessons to learn. Um, you know, from clean your room, wake up, we're late for church, school, doctor's appointment, anything I was always waking up late for. Um, do your homework. Have you done your homework? Probably not. Do your homework. And the biggest one being you're not using those lights. Turn off those lights. One day you're going to be an adult and have your own electricity bill and think, oh, shoot, the light bulb is burned out and I got to pay for a new one and it costs money to power that light bulb and I should probably turn it off. I wasn't using it. And they were incredibly right because I do that way too much. And these were incredibly valid lessons. Um, they made me a civil, responsible adult. Um, and they helped me transition into high school at Heritage Christian, where I went K through 12, graduated in 2010. Um, Heritage taught me great lessons too, because they weren't, they didn't hold back on tough assignments. You know, they really challenged you. And uh, in school, you know, I pursued my passions. I was in choir since seventh grade. I loved video editing. Um, I tried to make friends. Doesn't mean I was the best at it, but I tried. I pursued it. Um, but despite growing up in church and in a Christian home, um, to be honest, I was driven a lot of my life by fear, um, and anxiety. Um, I didn't pay attention to the Bible in school. I didn't covet it in my heart. Um, I was more concerned about getting a good grade than pursuing a relationship with Christ. And I didn't memorize the Bible. I printed it on a paper for a good grade. And that was kind of it. You know, I kind of followed it, but I might have deemed myself a Christian, but as is the summary of James 2, 14 through 16, don't worry about flipping to it. That's, you're good. My faith was, uh, was without works, and thus my faith was kind of dead. Um, 
So finally, 2010 came around, graduated high school, I'm going off to college, and I'm about to learn the favorite lesson I've ever learned in my life. And so growing up, my dad had a motorcycle, always rode on the back of it. It was so much fun. And finally, I get to learn how to drive a motorcycle. Um, he taught me lessons on his own in the neighborhood. Uh, started off with the basics. This is a motorcycle. And uh, he got me um, trained on the basics. And then it was time for the safety class, uh, which starts off with the basics. This is a motorcycle. It's like, thanks, I already knew that, but thank you for assuming that I don't know anything and teach me everything. Um, finally graduated from that class, and I got the um, driver, driver's permit to ride a motorcycle on my driver's license, so I could drive my own motorcycle now. I had my own, and I was so excited. And with this excitement, my ego began to grow way too big for my head. And um, at the same time, I was also growing distant from my family, even though I still lived with them, and from my faith as a whole. Um, you know, pride comes before the fall, case in point. Um, so I finally enrolled at IUPUI. Uh, I started, uh, started off in business because my dad worked for Eli Lilly. I felt like I need to follow in his footsteps and I should do business, right? Uh, no, because after a semester, I was not about business classes at all, did not care for it. So I decided, well, I'm calling the shots now. It's my life to run. So I'm going to go into journalism. And I was all shoulders saying, I like to write and I can get a job from this, right? I don't know. So let's go for that. Three years later, no passion behind that still. So I dropped out of college. I got offered a job. It was a dead end job. It paid well. But it was still a dead-end job. Um, and even at the time before I dropped out and the time after I dropped out, my life was just full of anxiety. I couldn't walk around campus without headphones in, music as loud as I could get it, chain-smoking like crazy because I was so anxious and I stuck to my vices. Again, pride before the fall. Um, and during my time... In college, I was also had a heavy time of absolute depression, which honestly almost took my life on two separate occasions. Um, and I don't say that lightly. And looking back at this point in my life, um, as I was, you know, looking back, I came across the book of Titus and uh, Titus 3.3 if this will work, work with me, bud. There we go. <laughs> At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That was the epitome of my life. I was chasing what, what, whatever was exciting and whatever was fun. Didn't care about faith at all. Turned the sternest back to faith and religion as a whole. Um, this is a little more difficult than I thought. Uh, but after college, like I said, I was there for three years. There was no passion behind what I was going to school for. So I dropped out, got that dead end job. I was still on a motorcycle though. That was a lot of fun. I was 
got pretty ignorant though because I was seeking a thrill ride. I thought I was evil Knievel. Um, I was swerving through traffic, spit, splitting lanes, and it got so reckless as to a point where I was standing on the seats of the motorcycle holding the handlebars. It's called surfing. It's dumb. I thought it was the most fun thing, but at the time I had this mentality of, I am my own God. I am calling the shots. If I mis make a mistake, then I will die. And so I have to focus on absolutely nothing right now other than I need to do this right. Um, it was a an absolute lie that I had convinced myself of. And I ran with it for a pretty long time. Um the dead end job hit a dead end. Um, I got another job working as an electrician and things had kind of mellowed out by this point. I was working with my hands. Um, I worked with a father and son doing a commercial um, low volt electric electrical work doing a fire alarm security systems like are being worked on in here. And it was a real exciting time. Um, I really loved it. I loved what I did. Life was on the up and up. Um, still on my motorcycle though, not as dangerous at this point. Kind of, like I said, I mellowed out and, uh, I rode with excellent motorcycle riders that I was great friends with. And we always did group rides. Uh, one in specific was the indie Mad Max ride where we dressed up like characters from Mad Max, uh, stripped the parts off the motorcycles to make them look like they're out of the movie, dirtied up the bikes. And, uh, we went on a group ride around... Carmel, Indianapolis, Irvington, um, Fountain Square. <laughs> I'm not cheating right now. And it was a lot of fun, but there's another ride called the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride where it was a fundraiser done around the world. Um, it was a fundraiser for men's physical and mental health. And we would dress to the nines and come out on our motorcycles and go kind of along the same route. And it was a lot of fun. I love that ride. Um, but December 24th, 2017 was the latest Distinguished Gentleman's ride I was on. However, at the time, I didn't dress as nice because most notably, I had just got my hair done in a mohawk. It looked so cool. I was way too cool for school to wear a helmet. Because I didn't want to mess up my mohawk, as if wind isn't a factor on a motorcycle, looking back. <laughs> it was a factor, by the way. Uh, so we uh, took the same route. Um, we stopped off at Marion University for a group photo. And uh, by the time we were done with the photo, we're ready to go to the next spot. I made the mistake of leaving my headlamp on, and my bike died. So I had the sheer joy of pushing it up a hill rolling it down trying to kickstart it on failed had to roll it back up the hill did this about three times finally got the bike running everyone's left by now which was fair so i decided okay i need to take my motorcycle home get it serviced and then i'm gonna be way too tired to do anything after that i need to take a nap so i took off and went home and I um, finally got my sleep, and I woke up, and I noticed this bed is not my bed. 
looked around the room. <laughs> this room is not my room. Um, and it's October 1st on the calendar. It was just September 24th. Did I really sleep that long? And I looked to my left and there was my father and the rest of my family. And I was in Eskenazi hospital and I I'm sitting there wondering how did I get here in the first place? Like what, why am I here? So like I said before, I had the Mohawk, couldn't mess it up by wearing a helmet. Um, as I was driving home, I was going north on Shadeland Avenue, a car turning left, checked southbound traffic that she was about to get into, didn't check northbound traffic though, aka me, and pulled out right in front of me. I hit her car, get sent 20 feet, hit nothing but my head, um, and, oh, I need to cheat. <laughs> Um, I was rushed to Eskenazi Hospital, put in a medically induced coma for a week, and they uh, conducted a surgery that I'm not going to get into details about because that's gross. Uh, but um, long story short, they had to remove a third of my skull, put it in a freezer, which still blows my mind, um, so that my brain could do its thing and get back down. And while I'm in a coma, I also had three cases of pneumonia that they had to deal with while maintaining my vitals. It was a lot, and they did incredible work. Thankfully, I was asleep during all this and didn't have to put up with anything. Um, so I came out of a coma finally. I wasn't fully cognitively there, and my, <laughs> my dad recorded uh, me talking <laughs> about how I had just gone to Japan to pick up World War II, what was the word, artifacts? <laughs> I've never been outside of the country. And at the time, you know, he's the, everyone's terrified that he could be stuck like this the rest of his life. <laughs> and my dad's wondering, why am I recording this? <laughs> Finally, a week later, I, I'm cognitively there again. And we listen to it, and we're crying, laughing at how insane I sound. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's the little, like, laughs we can get out of all this that kind of got me through all this. Um, so I began physical therapy, learning to walk again, get up from the bed, go to that chair, go back to bed, get up from the bed, walk to the door, go back to bed, get up from the bed, go down the hallway, back to bed, get up, go down the hallway and up the stairs and down the stairs. And they were pretty surprised at how quickly I was back to my working functions. Um, but I was also re uh, rewarded with a helmet I got to wear for not wearing a helmet to walk around. <laughs> and my beautiful mother, who I'm so thankful for, <laughs> bought me a stick-on mohawk to replace the mohawk that I no longer had. <laughs> and oh, it was the sweetest thing. I loved it. Um, then finally, October 28th, I was released from the hospital until my next surgery. Um, and I moved in with, I'm about to point someone out here. Moved in with my father, Jeff, and my grandmother, Barbara Ludwig, pretty lady in pink. <laughs> and <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching TV with my dad, doing cognitive practices to get back up to par. And um, during that time, I was invited to church here um, by Barbara Ludwig. 
And, you know, I still had a stern faith or stern back to faith at the time. But I thought, you know, I want to spend as much time I can with my grandmother. Um, I also just got a new suit that I want to show off, which was kind of the reason I left church in the first place was people showing off money. But (laughs) I was that guy all of a sudden. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I want to show off a new suit and check out this church, whatever. It, It should be pretty chill. Um, and I came in and the first sermon right off the bat kind of flipped my whole view 180, uh, flipped, mm, flipped it on its head. Can I say that? I, th- I think that's okay to say. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> um, it, it, uh, one of the services that hit me was about being winsome ambassadors. Um, that really changed my perspective on my faith as a whole of, you know, connecting with people and in a loving manner, no brimstone and hellfire, um, and still stick to your faith regardless of however much backlash there might be or however much you might just disagree. Um, And it was at that time that I started seeing God around me. Um, The biggest thing was um, Pastor Schultz. He... When I first came here, he would meet up with me every week outside of church. We'd go get coffee. He uh, reached out to me to understand who I am, where I'm coming from, um, my background of faith. Um, And in reaching out, he accepted my request to be baptized, which to me was an incredible celebration. I had a lot of pictures of me in here before, and I realized, oh, okay, do your thing, whatever, that this isn't about me in a way it is but there's a bigger picture here and so um i really wanted to go back to being baptized here like that was i do this a lot but i was so excited to like really get back into my faith here um because seeing people practice it and share it and share the love um just really stuck with me is the best way to put it um After a life of absolute low self-esteem and no self-worth, I was surrounded by those who cared about me and some that I thought never gave a single care about me were constantly around me. I was, when I was in the hospital, I was, constantly, I was constantly surrounded by family. Friends from out of state came to visit me. Coworkers came in. Um, Close friends were always by my side. Riders from that event, from the day of the accident, came in (laughs) and they they told me, hey, we've pulled a bunch of money together. We're going to get your motorcycle out of the police impound. (laughs) And I was, thank you so much. And we talked for a bit and then they went to leave and my mother walked out with them and she stood in front of them and said, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hold that against her one bit. And they were very understanding. Like, yeah, we're going to, we'll take the money back. It's no big deal. And <laughs> Did she pay for the motorcycle? Oh, uh, no, that thing st- stayed there. I'm sure it's a rusted pile. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, no riding again. And I'm sure that thing was so demolished to the point that it's not remake- like rewritable. That's more work than worth, to be honest. So as I was processing all this care that was shown to me, um, 
man, like people started a GoFundMe for me in the hospital and the lawyer I had that represented me in court um, took way less of a cut than she should have because she knew that I was in the worst spot. Um, just people with or without faith were the care was incomprehensible. Uh, I could not fathom it. Um, and so the fear and doubt and depression that deceived me that people did not care for me, um, I was also deceived in thinking that God did not care for me. And so I had to ask myself, why did I not understand that they were there before and why did I not understand that God has been by my side the entire time, whether I turn a stern back or not? Like, he's there and he cares. Um, so this is a part where you guys get to uh, do a little activity. This is nonverbal, necess not necessarily, but the idea was, I need to sit back for this. Man, I'm too up front. I would like for you... If you want to do it now, that's fine, or do it sometime later, is look around you and ask yourself, who here loves you when you don't realize that they do, and why don't you realize that? Or if you see someone that you care for, if there's any doubt that they don't know that completely, um, whether it be by action or word, they need to know that you do care for them and know why. Um, that was something I missed for so long, that people cared and I just kept telling myself, no one cares. And that's where the depression came in big time. Um, so it was the voluntary love that others showed me that led me to see the love of God, which is the love that grants eternal life. Like This is the part where it gets so overwhelmingly great that I'm going to babble a lot. <laughs> Not like speaking tongues, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Pentecostal, which I love them, but I'm not one of them. So um, I'm probably going to keep going off the rails of just spouting things out that I'm so over positively overwhelmed by. Uh, I want to get into another verse, though, Titus, the rest of Titus 3, 4 through 8. This is a pretty big one. Oh, boy. I did not plan this well. not wrapped up so when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit whom he poured out on us generously through jesus christ our savior so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. It, that's enough of that. <laughs> uh, just finalizing up this uh, section really gave a purpose to the faith. It's not you're redeeming yourself. I mean, yeah, that's part of it, but you encompass and became become a vessel to display god's love for us that he gave us through jesus christ and just really make an impact on people's lives um 
So like I said, I was shown unfathomable care. It felt like at the time when I woke up in the hospital, I got to grab me by the shoulders and was like, hey, man, I got a plan for you. If you'll give me five seconds of your time tops. And obviously he's had my attention way longer than that. I don't know what that plan is. Um, but I do know the very least is to, you know, live like Jesus and love thy neighbor. Um, and people showed me that I was hungry and they fed me and whoo, I'm getting overwhelmed right now. <laughs> um, and so as a, as a sermon earlier this month said, my foundation fell through. So what was I left to stand on? And faith in God was the only stable foundation. There's nothing else. Um, so I told myself I have to keep my eyes and heart focused on him. This is the part where I wrote this out in a conversation way, but I don't want to miss a beat. So I'm going to kind of read from my script. Um, this is sec, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. I'm glad I wrote it on my, on my computer so I could read it. I forgot about this picture. Oh, man. So part of the unfathomable care, I was asleep in the hospital and the family was there. And <laughs> this is my niece, Evelyn, who I love so much. She saw I was sleeping. Everyone was talking and she turned to them and shushed them because <laughs> I, I, they, they didn't, she didn't want me to, or she didn't want them to wake me up. There we go. <laughs> this picture does not make me almost cry every time. I'm not tearing up right now. <laughs> So on to 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. God has reassured us through Christ to, to his apostles. This is what I wrote about it. God has reassured us through Christ to his apostles that despite the trials and hardships that we go through to any degree, that we are secure in Christ and states bluntly our position in the world as believers. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that life may also be revealed in our mortal body, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So my summary of this was Paul reminds us that while we have been promised eternal life, our bodies are still perishable. However, these trials and risks that we go through are, are, are opportunities for Christ to demonstrate his power through us and bring eternal life to those whom we love and care for. And that's our purpose here. Where are you going, PowerPoint? Relax. So back to the story about the roller coaster. After the roller coaster, we got off, and my dad turned to me, and he said, so what would you think? And I told him, that was really fun. Can we do that again? <laughs> I loved it. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, and, and, and what became the greatest opportunity to learn and listen to God, not necessarily the accident itself, but the opportunities it brought, I can firmly say to God, that was fun. Can we do that again? I need that reawakening constantly in my life. And I can say with full certainty, 
that he has answered me with grand opportunities in life to learn more than I imagined I could ever learn, understand lessons in a whole new perspective, the sermons here, uh, reach out to those around me who I love dearly with opportunities like this. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I want to, you know, like build a relationship with my, my family and make something of myself as I entrust in him my life for his will to be done. I have to remind myself of that constantly. His will, not mine, be done, which is hard to accept, but vital. Um, and I want to make it clear that this is my story that weaves in and out of my life. Um, you don't need a traumatic crisis to occur uh, for God to reach out to you. We all go through our own crises and throughout the love and concern of others, we can see God. You don't need to get your, I'm not going to say it in a crazy way. You don't need to go through what I went through to see God, obviously. Um, you just need to accept the love from others and love those around you and show God and accept God. So, in summary of a faith story, my faith is based on our Father's guidance, a foundation built with my grandmother's, pastor's, family's, and Father's guidance. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. So we have a few minutes to ask questions. Yeah, and I am an absolute open book. That's why I wear my hair buzzed. Um, I even had a customer ask me at the store one time. He's looking down at his wallet, about to pay for what he's buying, and just says without looking up, so um, what'd you do to get your head zippered up like that? I was like, You're my favorite customer. <laughs> so really, like, I'm an absolute open book. If anything feels like it's too much to ask, it's probably not. Try bothering me, because it's not going to bother me. So, open book. Isn't it true that your uh, accent and the uh, showing with the, your head gives you an opportunity to mention uh, the benefit of being a member of God's family, and you could go into a short story with guys like the one that said, Yeah, um, a, lot of, your head. <laughs> a lot of people ask about it, and... I'm still trying to figure out how to include it in a, uh, an elevator conversation. You have 30 seconds to give what you're going to say, so I want to make it the most concise statement. I'm still trying to figure that out because um, I've had people backlash at me before um, where I, I was sitting at a bar talking with some friends. And I told them that, yeah, like I thank God for the doctors to do an incredible job. And a guy turned to me and he said, well, why don't you thank the doctors? And I got a little upset at that. I was like, well, I have. Like, I've gone and visited them and thanked them, but I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to include the people that did the work and the work that God did through them, whether they believe or not, which is coming up with a concise statement is pretty hard. So I'm definitely working on that. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Uh, about a year and a half ago, which is how I kind of keep track of how long I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> or do you still have any therapy ongoing, or are you pretty well fully back to 
Uh, I'm back to driving. And yeah, back to normal. Uh, I had speech therapy at Eskenazi, which was like cognitive uh, puzzles. And it got to a point where they said, you're pretty up to par. And I didn't want to leave because I wanted to keep going. <laughs> like, I don't feel up to par. I need to come back. And they're like, no, you're, you're up to par. You're good. You, we're going to call it a day. Um, I'm finally back to driving. I forgot to mention that I've had seizures after the second uh, thing, but now I'm on medicine for it. Um, people showed me care there. I had a seizure at work one time. I was standing behind the counter and manager was in the back, customer was at the register and he ran behind and picked me up from having my seizure so I didn't hit my head. Um, I was, they called an ambulance right away and I've had customers come in a week later and they're like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, good, how are you? They're like, no, how are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what? they're like, seizures, man. I'm like, oh, you know about that. And they're like, yeah, I came in and you're getting hauled away in an ambulance. And I was like, you remembered. Like, that was a big thing. Like, you remembered and you care to ask again. That really struck me. Um, so again, the care that people showed was overwhelmingly awesome. I'm sorry, I forgot the original question. Whether you were, whether you were finished with therapy. Oh yeah, finished with therapy. Uh, physical therapy went, came and went pretty quick. And um, yeah, I just wanna go back in. I can also say that the surgery was pretty savage because I found out that the surgeon's name was Dr. Savage. I'm really happy about that one. Um, but you yeah, know, I want to go in and like talk to everyone that worked with me. And I've left love notes for nurses before, doctors or nurses, saying like, you're married, I see a ring, I'm not hitting on you, but thank you so much for everything you've done. If you have um, patients that are complete jerks, know that you are still loved and still thankful for, and God bless you. Um, I'm just trying to like reconnect with the people that helped me out because I've been told by surgeons that they need that. They see the darkest results. Um, so return the love that you're given, essentially. Go for it. Do you still have constant pain, or are you managing chronic pain? Or pain or you really no pain. Uh, mem slight memory loss was the only big issue. Um, it was a short-term thing. Like Short-term memory was kind of iffy for a bit, but I've been doing practices for it. And um, I've just got a lot of tools for reminders, like 7 a.m., take your medicine, pops up on my phone. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of it. Yeah, I had pretty bad back pain for a while because I have scoliosis real bad. That's been there since before the accident. But as I just kind of keep doing physical therapy at home, like stretches and yoga or whatever, that's been helping out. Yes. Yeah. Um, back in the workforce, uh, I can drive again and I'm going back to school again soon at Ivy Tech and IEPOI for a four year program. And it's something I actually care about and I'm very excited. Um, yeah, I couldn't drive for a year. It was pretty nuts. Like after the second surgery, I had to wait a year. Turns out none of my seizures were reported to the BMV, which I think is kind of crazy. <laughs> like no police or hospitals reported it. I actually didn't have to wait, but I'm glad I did uh, to just know that the medicine works and stay on top of my medicine. But yeah, back in the workforce and 
um, being getting the opportunity to go back to school to get into a more career-driven profession rather than uh, technical communications. Um, it's a high-demand career, and so I'm going to be going two years to IUP Tech, two years to IUPUI. Um, it's better than working in a liquor store. I can tell you that. <laughs> I love the customers. They're all 99.9% .9 are awesome and nice. There's always that 0.1% that I'm not a fan of. But <laughs> um, it's just there's more purpose behind going to college and getting a career than just being a cash register person and loading stock. Oh, I forgot to mention that. So, um, at first, they didn't know I was in the hospital for the first 24 hours because my phone is broken. My dad was in Virginia visiting family. Um, a nurse notified whoever she could contact when she looked me up on Facebook and we had friends that she could message. Like, that's how word got spread. It was nuts. And so for 24 hours, no one knew. Um, and I can imagine, obviously, they were devastated, but they just remained supportive and hopeful uh, in their faith as well, uh, constantly surrounding me. And <laughs> uh, I got a million pictures from in the hospital, but most notably, my sister made a like six foot thing of uh like a a timeline for people to come in and sign when they visit and date and leave a note um and it was titled for <laughs> uh for he who sleeps i think it was for those who sleep while while you were sleeping thank you yes <laughs> and then <laughs> she labeled it to quote unquote crash bandicoot which i still laugh at these days because it's horribly funny to call me Crash Bandicoot when I'm in the hospital. I still love that. I did stand-up comedy about this whole thing in Arizona. That was the hardest part was writing jokes. But the family, sorry. I'm off on a tangent. Um, they were very supportive and uh, remained positive and left me with very positive notes so I could catch up later on like, hey, you're up and walking this day. You're responding uh, with your eyes. Your eyes are open. We're very um, hopeful for you. And we're very, um, hmm, optimistic. optimistic, yes. And um, supportive of everything. They remain supportive. It was awesome. I'll add. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Because I haven't asked a lot. Yes. The first news we got, like they say, it was 24 hours. And then, you know, your sister in Phoenix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see your brother, you know, and then yeah. older sister here, and from them, then it, uh, the news got to us. For the first week, the doctors prepared us for his death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. this, and then, he didn't die. <laughs> 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 Ta-da! <laughs> no. It's so interesting, because little by little mm -hmm. by little, he just kept getting better. Mm -hmm. And and the time, the day I his father was there, and this was a, a week or so into uh, the procedure, well, things that they were going to take him off oxygen. 
And they, they didn't know if he would breathe on his own or not. I forgot. So there about were about five doctors there, yeah. and they told Jeff and his father to go out in the hall, you know. And so Jeff stood there and watched as they did the procedure. And when they did it, and then all of a sudden they're all clapping. Oh my you know, gosh, I haven't heard this. This is a great thing. <laughs> breathing. Yeah. So, so um, then the family watched him with the procedure. Mm -hmm. And we knew we had a blessing from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the thing I can't forget to tell, though couldn't forget to tell, is how much this church came through with the prayers mm -hmm. and the love. And they really didn't know Stephen at yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. He'd been here once or twice. Or who, who, sits uh, who sits behind us in the service? Who sits behind us in the service? Bill, yes. He would always ask about me, like, how's Stephen doing? She told me. And... Yes, and he'd say, well, you tell him I'm praying for him, you know. And, every, and then people would come up and mm -hmm. want to know about Stephen. And uh, this church just is so wonderfully heartfelt. That's why this church has that become my family. I love this. This is the, I, I. That's not even sarcastic. I'm usually very sarcastic. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the next one is absolutely going to be because uh, <laughs> I I can't wait to get this. It's gonna hurt the most because this is horrible. But I'm gonna get a lamp with um like a purple ribbon kind of going around it because he is a, a light into my feet and a lamp into my path. And now that, like, I, I'm really living by that. You know, like I said, I used to stick to my vices. Two days ago, I drew a line and said, done smoking. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm over. It's all or nothing. Um, I've been blessed with uh, a life again, so I'm going to keep ruining it with these vices that get me nowhere. Um, so that one, yes... Uh, the lamp is uh, definitely is meaning. I got a giant yellow rose. Um, they are roses sent to friends and thanks of um, platonic uh, friendship and care. And while I would like to just send out a generic message on Facebook, I decided I'm going to explain it to friends individually. And this and this goes to you as well. Um, it's my eternal thank you as long as I'm alive. Like every time you see that rose, that is my thank you for caring, even in the slightest amount. Um, it means everything. Absolutely. Uh, friends apologized for not visiting me in the hospital. And I was like, apology accepted, but <laughs> you cared. There's no spectrum of care. It's just care. Kind of like sin is sin, care is care. <laughs> and so... Um, I, I've got a lot more planned out for sure. I think that's, yeah, I got a tattoo of the CT scan I got when I got the third of my skull removed. <laughs> my artist did it for free and I, there's a snake going through my mouth and I call it eating death and it's pretty neat, but it's not faith-based. Um, <laughs> there, I think, uh, I'm going to get into a kind of rhythm or theme of faith-based tattoos to share because people ask do they mean anything some do some don't some just look cool so if people are going to ask that 
I should base it off of my faith and that's the time I can share my faith. Yeah. Yeah. With God mm-hmm. and to know other people's love for you. Mm-hmm. So, is there, do you think, like, this is a huge philosophical question, so Fair. I, don't, I don't know if it can really be answered now, but do you think, like, you had to have some kind of huge thing eventually happen to you, or could, could there, in a more ideal way, yeah. have been anything the community of faith or your family or anybody could have done to, to help you sense God's presence and love for you and know your true worth? Yes. Um, I feel like I could have been taught any lesson or like told any lesson, but I believe I personally did need uh, a, to paraphrase, great awakening. Um, absolutely. I, I was so... And I still am so stubborn. Um, and I really needed um, a metaphorical knock on the head to kind of wake me up a little bit to what is actually happening here. Um, and yeah, I kind of needed God to grab me by the shoulders and like yell in my face, so to speak, with love, of course. Um, I, I really don't think that there could have been any convincing unless I come across something where I see God personally and it's not so much a quota to me anymore. I'm not going for a good grade. I'm not following instructions. It's I am making the call that I desire to follow God. Um, And it's really been changing my general lifestyle in and out of the church. Um, and I could not be more thankful for it. It's, it just makes life so much more at peace. You can seek peace all you want, but until faith in God is your foundation, I don't think peace is attainable, mm-hmm. as crazy as that sounds. I like that I one. Like 